think it's about time that we get into the Word. Can you turn in your Bible to the book of Haggai? Now, if you don't know where Haggai is, find the Gospel of Matthew and just turn left, uh, and you will find it. Uh, if you get to Zephaniah, you went one book too far, but be careful because Haggai is a short book. You can miss it really easily. If you don't know where it is, there is no shame in looking in the table of contents. Uh, totally fine. It'll tell you exactly what page to turn to. There's no shame in that. Uh, but today we're starting a brand new series. Now, November seems like a good month for us to talk about generosity you know, we have been given so much, and so we want to talk about the heart of generosity over the next several weeks. We're going to lead up to, in this series, to Thanksgiving, and so what a, what a great opportunity. We're going to take some time this month to say thank you to God for all of the blessings that he's given us, and so we want to make sure that we understand generosity well so that we can be a part of the reason why other people might say thank you to God for the ways that they were blessed. Uh, and after all, uh, if, if, you, if that's not a good enough reason, if it being November isn't a good enough reason for us to talk about generosity, Acts chapter 20, verse 35 says, it is better to give than receive. And so if you don't want to th talk about Thanksgiving and you're just like, it's already Christmas already, like my friends Jasmine and Chris who were over at our house for breakfast the other day and we got into this big debate because Jasmine really wants to decorate for Christmas already. And I said, you got to respect the turkey. And she said, no. It's all right. That's a non-essential belief. You can disagree about when Christmas starts and still be a part of Life Church. We all belong. You can be wrong, Jasmine, and still be a part of the church. <laughs> but, but just in case for the Jasmines in the room, if you're already thinking about Christmas, it is better to give than to receive. So in light of the Christmas season starting later, uh, we're we got you covered, Jasmine. You don't have to wait, okay? Uh, we, we're going to talk about generosity for the next couple of weeks. You know that scripture actually teaches that uh, generosity produces more reasons to be thankful. In other words, the more you give, the more reasons you can be thankful for what you get. And just so you know, I'm not uh, just a prosperity teacher, but I think that God does want us to prosper. And he doesn't want us to just prosper so we can look at how rich we are. He wants us to prosper so that we can be super generous. That's really the heart of this series that we're going to get into for the next few weeks. But let's take a look at a couple of scriptures just for a moment. In Proverbs chapter 11, verse 24, before we get to Haggai, let me just say to you that it says in Proverbs 11, Give freely and become more wealthy. Be stingy and lose everything. The generous will prosper. Those who refresh others will themselves be refreshed. And in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 6, it says, Remember this, a farmer who plants only a few seeds will get a small crop, but the one who plants generously will get a generous crop. So the idea of generosity and your prosperity are directly linked. Now, I'm going to say something to you that you just have to remember this for the rest of this series because I know you're going to come back every Sunday uh, for the rest of this series. And you're going to have to remember this, that in this series, we're going to talk about your money and also everything else. Okay, so if you're thinking like, oh, we're going to do the generosity series, the whole reason we're doing this is just so that we give more money to the church. Yeah, sure, great, awesome. But also so that you will have the right perspective on the reality that you don't actually own what you think that you own. Everything that you have is actually God's already, so we need to talk about the right way to think about what we have so that we get in line with God's plan for what's in your hand. 
right? So I'm going to talk about your money. I'm going to talk about your house. I'm going to talk about your clothes. I'm going to talk about your time. I'm going to talk about your talents. I'm going to talk about the way that you talk to people. We're going to talk about who you are and what you have because all of that is encompassed with, is wrapped up into the idea of generosity. Now, I do want to be clear. Generosity is not just a kingdom barter system. But I do think it is a significant part of the economic system of heaven. It's not a let me just give so that the more I give, the more I get, and that's how I become rich. This is, God did not create a pyramid scheme of your, for your finances. Because we're not just talking about your money. We're talking about your everything. All right? Okay. Now, misunderstanding this is a big reason why it's so awkward to talk about money in the church. And it's a big reason why a lot of people will hear the word generosity in the church and feel a little cringy, feel a little bit weird, because we misunderstand the idea of generosity. So to start this series, we are going to talk about the mindset required for generosity. In fact, I might even call this message being mindful about generosity. Now, first of all, let's clarify the term generosity. You know I love a good definition. If you've been around Life Church a little bit, you, like, you know I like to defi- define my terms. So the word generosity means this. In fact, I'll give you three quick statements of definition. Number one, the quality of being kind and generous, which I always think is funny when you look at a, a word in the dictionary and you, you think, what does this word mean? What does generous mean? And the word generous is in the definition for the word generous. Thanks, Webster. So let me give you some definitions or some synonyms here. Uh, The quality of being kind and generous. Synonyms are words like liberty, lavishness, munificence, open-handedness, and unselfishness. Start using the word munificence in your everyday vocabulary. A second definition is the quality or fact of being plentiful or large. So generosity is linked to you being plentiful or, or your possessions being large. To have abundance, plentifulness, or to have copious possessions. That's a fun phrase. Third definition is really interesting. Generosity can be defined as being of good breeding or nobility of stock. That there's a generosity of identity. So you could say that generosity has a lot to do with the way you view yourself, your stuff, and your relationship to other people in the world. In other words, generosity is, again, rooted in your mindset. So the mindset that we carry either limits or empowers generosity. So in order to help this land in your brain, I want to share with you one of what is actually one of my favorite illustrations. I'll just confess to you right now this illustration is a little bit silly. So if you you feel like you needed to be serious today at church, I'm about to disappoint you. All right? Okay, so we're going we're gonna to have a little bit of fun today, and in order to do that, Pastor Mark, do you think that you might be able to just come and join me for a quick illustration? He got real nervous as soon as I said that. I just want you to know. You couldn't see it, but on his face, he went, what? All right. Pastor Mark, will you, will you, just, hold, will you just hold this bag for me? Cool. And then I stole this from the kids' church. Um, I, I got you some food. Just so you know, this is plastic peas. And uh, I'm going to call that bread, but, but I don't know what, it, I don't really know. That's definitely a banana. Um, we should read the Bible and redeem this before it gets too silly. 
Haggai chapter 1, yeah, starting in verse 6. God is talking to the people of Israel in this context. They are, uh, they are away in captivity. They're not in their homeland. The temple is in ruins. God's house is in ruins. And here in Haggai chapter 1, verse 6, it says, You have sown much. This is God speaking to the people of Israel in, uh, through the prophet Haggai. And here, here's what he's saying. You have sown much and bring little. You eat, but you do not have enough. You drink, but you are not filled with drink. You clothe yourselves, but no one is warm. And he who earns wages, earns wages to put into a bag with holes. Now, this is what I'm going to call, we're talking about your mindset today, the mindset of generosity. I'm going to call this the bag mindset. And a lot of us have what we would call the bag mindset. The bag mindset says there is never enough. And God's actually talking to these people. He's saying, this is how you live in the world. You just view yourselves as, as isolated, captive people. You have no homeland, and you are just struggle bussing through life. And here, here's what the bag mindset looks like, is that every single time you get resources, it just goes straight through. You see, I, you see, it's not a magic trick. There's a hole in the bag. I, to, I showed Sayla this illustration this morning, and she literally went, are you doing a magic trick at church? I think she wanted to skip youth group and watch this illustration. But this is our mentality. Now, how many of you, you get your paycheck, and you say, that's already been spent? Oh. That one got some groans, Pastor Mark, right? Okay, bag people believe that every resource that comes into their hands must be used for themselves to ensure their own survival. Because all I've got is this bag, and what I really need to do is I just need to place it really delicately in the bag so that it stays and I can actually survive, but then life comes along and just shakes all my resources right out. Because that's what happens in life, right? This is the mentality of the bag people. I have a little bit. It's only good enough to sustain my life. And something is probably going to happen really soon that's going to drain all of my resources. And I'm just going to be out on the streets all over again. Nothing's ever going to go well. And certainly if I ever get blessed, it's not going to be sustainable. These are the kinds of people, and I'll just say I know what this feels like, that when someone gives you Christmas money and you're just hoping they don't give you an Amazon gift card and they give you cash for Christmas because you know I need money for Christmas because groceries are going to need to be purchased. Now that, I'm just saying, we literally actually call that poverty. But that's also a mentality. And so what I'm not saying is that we're, we, you are wrong if you don't have a lot of money and if you are literally struggling to make ends meet. We're not saying that's a sinful way to live. We're, we're not saying you're a bad person. How dare you not have a lot of money in your bank account? Or, or, and we're also certainly not saying that that's evidence that God is not pleased with you. What I am pointing out is the number of us that live in the kingdom of heaven. Where God, who owns the cattle on a thousand hills, live as if we have nothing. And that we have no provider. And we have no hope in the world. I'm not saying you're bad if you don't have a lot of money in your bank account. I'm saying the mindset that I have no provider is a bad poverty mentality. And God did not invite you into the kingdom of heaven so that you could have a bad mentality. Now, we do have to put this into context. Pastor Mark, you did such a good job holding that bag with a hole in it. I'm just going to put that right down there. Thank you for, 
Just excellent. I've never seen anyone hold a bag with a hole in it uh, as good as you, Pastor Mark. That was great. Well done. I'm definitely going to make you do other sermon illustrations in the future. Uh, let's put this into its context, though. I don't want to just pull a, a, a passage of Scripture right out of, uh, the, uh, out of the Bible and not tell you the context, because I think it actually gets even more powerful. And, by the way, uh, might give us a little bit of the perspective of why we get into this kind of a problem. You see, I, I mentioned to you a minute ago the Israelites were in captivity when Haggai was prophesying to the people of Israel. And, and what's really interesting is that God had revealed to the people of Israel that he had a desire for them to, in the future, to rebuild the temple of God. He was saying, I want you to think forward that the goal here is that something of the kingdom would be built through your life, through your hands. I'm going to have you rebuild the temple at some point in the future. But they were dragging their feet, and they were living in all kinds of problematic ways, uh, and they were having all kinds of excuses. In fact, in verses 2 through 4, it says, Thus speaks the Lord of hosts, saying, This people says. So this is God speaking to Haggai, saying, This is the way you talk. You talk like this. The time has not come that the, time that the Lord's house should be built. So you're saying that. It's not time to build the house right now. Then the word of the Lord says to Haggai, the prophet, saying, But is it time for you yourselves to dwell in paneled houses and this temple lie in ruins? What's really interesting here is that, that God was actually calling out that while they were living in their captivity bag mindset, they were striving to live in nice homes while neglecting the preparation to rebuild the temple of God. He was saying, Your priorities are backwards. He was saying, whether, whether I asked you to or not today to build the temple, your focus is off. And you're not even preparing for the temple to be rebuilt. You're just struggling to get enough. And the result of that is that you haven't put me first, and, and now there's a hole in your bag. Because you're looking at life and resource and provision backwards. The Israelites were using poverty as an excuse to not rebuild the temple while they were living in a nice house of their own, and yet they still had this poverty bag mentality. In other words, they were putting their own wants before God's instructions. See, if we're going to talk about the mindset of generosity, it has to begin with obedience. It, ha it has to begin with uh, who is God, who am I, and what has he told me to do? Kingdom generosity is designed to build God's kingdom, not your own. Though a lot of the reason why the church doesn't play with generosity, a lot of the reason why people come into the church and they hear, we're going to talk about money today, is because we think that God is about to ask me to become uh, super broke so that the pastor can be super rich. And I'm not saying that there haven't been pastors who have manipulated conversations about generosity. I'm not saying that that hasn't gone sideways. I'm saying if we get a kingdom mentality, we will understand the right way to look at generosity begins with obedience. What did God tell me to do? And, and I'll just tell you, God will never tell you to build your life before he tells you to build the kingdom. He'll never do that. And we see that in, in the evidence of Christ. Jesus himself lays down his life to build the kingdom. And then he's asked us, invited us, challenged us, called us to take up our own cross and die with him. Why? So that the kingdom can be built. You see, kingdom generosity actually begins with understanding that we don't talk about generosity so that I can get rich. 
We talk about generosity so the kingdom can get rich. And how does the kingdom get rich? With souls. Right? The inheritance of Christ is, sal- is saved people. So generosity is always going to lead to building the kingdom. God is upset with the people of Israel here because they weren't working to build the kingdom. They were just working to try to build themselves, and that left them with a bag mentality, which tricks us. We think we're filling our own bag. The bag has holes. And then God just blows away whatever it is that falls out that we try to gather ourselves. We get ourselves into this negative cycle. Bag people have an empty mindset. They believe that their resource is empty, so they always strive to find fulfillment. And this leaves them self-focused and not kingdom-minded. And so God wants us to have a different mindset. He wants us to to expand the way that we would think. If you were to turn in your Bibles to Deuteronomy chapter uh, 28 with me, Deuteronomy 28, we're going to see the next mindset that God wants us to have. Starting in verse 2 in Deuteronomy 28, it says, You will experience all these blessings. In Deuteronomy Deuteronomy 27, rather, there's a list of all the blessings that you get to experience in the kingdom of God if you are an obedient person. And he says, you'll experience all these blessings again here if you obey the Lord your God. Your towns will be and your fields will be blessed. Your children and your crops will be blessed. The offspring of your herds and flocks will be blessed. Your fruit baskets and breadboards will be blessed. Now, I propose to you that a better way to think than to have a, a, a bag mentality is to have a basket mentality. Yeah, no holes in the bottom, just so you know, right? It's not a magic trick, but look at the bottom of the basket. There's no holes in it, okay? So now what happens is I get to expand the way I think if I, if I have a basket mindset. The basket mindset says because of who God is and I put his kingdom first, that there is enough for me. Doesn't that feel so much better? There is enough for me. And when, when my paycheck comes, I, I, I actually get to have that resource rightly placed in my life and, and, and I actually engage the blessings that are in my life and the things that I have because I can view them appropriately and that kind of mindset that I put God's kingdom first, I can say God is my provider and if he's my provider, then he stops up the holes in the bottom and now I actually get to increase the way that I think. There is enough for me. That is the way that we talk if we have a basket mindset. And what's interesting is that basket people are generous with the people that are in their family. See, a a basket and a breadboard is the kind of thing that stays inside your house, and anybody who comes into your house can come and grab this plastic avocado uh, that, that is sitting in your basket. You actually get to keep the resources that are that are in your house and the people that come into your household get to be blessed by the resources you have. You become a generous person. Does that make sense? God is actually clear with basket people. He says things to us like, trust me with all that you have and I will bless you. We begin to understand here, God is my provider and if I trust him, put his kingdom first, then I will be blessed. But, this is going to sound this sounds great, right? We've expanded a little bit. Basket people have the, the right idea, but there is a limitation here. And you might have already picked up on it if you were listening very, very closely to the words that I was choosing a minute ago. Because the limitation of basket people is that they gather for their own increase. 
they freely share with their own people. The, the blessing of a basket mentality is I don't have a hole at the bottom of the back. I'm going get, to get rid of that. There's no holes anymore. What comes in, I actually get to use, and I can be a, a, a generous person. I can be a blessing. But the limitation is of this mentality is I'm going to be a blessing to you if you're actually one of me. So this is, this is the way that this plays out. Uh, the basket person is the person who says, uh, my family comes first always. Period. At the end. Right? Uh, this plays out with, we will be generous to the people that are in my small group within my church. Or it plays out where we say, we will be generous to the people who are a part of Life Church. It actually plays out a little bit wider than that when we say, we'll be generous to the people who are a part of the tribe that I'm a part of. My local church or the Christian faith. Uh, or who voted like me, or who look like me. Like, basket people are going to be generous with anybody that they consider a part of their own tribe. Right? So now you can begin to play out all of the different ways that that might become a limitation, but basket people struggle to share beyond their own borders because their belief is that God's provision stops at the boundaries of their own need. And at their relationship. So basket people will say something like they'll look at a person in poverty outside of their community and say, that's actually not my responsibility, not my problem. I'm just, I'm just thankful that God has blessed me or that God has blessed us, that God has blessed my family. And then we don't actually pursue radical generosity or kingdom generosity because what we're doing is trying to actually maintain the basket so that the people in my household are perpetually blessed. And we forget that kingdom generosity wasn't Jesus came and became a, an earthly king who ruled and was incredibly blessed by earthly standards and then made everyone who followed his teachings in his way uber rich. See, I, I propose to you that it's actually a basket mentality that has affected the church that said, let's build big buildings and get political power. Because if we have big buildings, they'll see us. And if we have political power, they have to act like us. And then, if you act like us, you get to have what's in the basket. But not until you act like us. So don't vote for that candidate. Don't believe in those things. Don't run over there with those people. We refuse to bless you unless you come into our building and receive what we have gathered here. And this is much of the problem with the Western American church. And I grew up learning that style of Western American church. I pastored that style of Western American church for a number of years. Come and be blessed. The church exists to house the blessing of the Lord. And if you come here, you'll get all of the blessing. And Jesus said, I actually left the comfort of my house to come and be one of you stinky people. And I died so that you could get what was in the house. You never had to come into the kingdom of heaven to get what was a part of the kingdom of heaven because I came as the physical incarnation and embodiment of the kingdom of heaven to be among you so that I could bring it to you because you were never going to get there if it wasn't for me bringing it. And we flip the script when we say, we're so blessed and highly favored by the Lord. Look at how blessed we are. Come and be blessed in the presence of the Lord. 
And again, I'm not saying that big buildings are bad and that uh, churches who have a voice in their community to influence the nations is bad. I'm not saying that. It, I know plenty of incredible Christian people who have voices in political arenas. I'm not saying politics is evil. Please don't hear that. Don't, let's not get this twisted. I'm not saying those things are bad. We're just looking at a higher priority. We just have to put these things in order. The only reason you should ever have any kind of voice of influence in the community is if you're going to point people to Jesus. Not point people back to how blessed we are. Amen? And so the bag, the bag mindset is bad. The basket mindset is better. But there is actually a, an even greater way to view the world. Now, I brought a third prop with me. And uh, this is my favorite part. Actually, uh, I, I brought a barn. I, I said I brought, I stole those things from the nursery, right? Okay, so I figured if I didn't make a little bit of a mess while I'm preaching this sermon, then I'm not fully leaning into the illustration. We need to talk about the barn, though. By the way, this makes noise. Do you ever see a preacher get distracted by his own sermon illustration? Just right now. We need to expand our thinking a little bit more. If you continue in Deuteronomy 28, uh, it, it actually continues to expand the mindset of the basket people. In Deuteronomy 28, verse 8, it says, The Lord will send a blessing on your barns and on everything you put your hand to. So the, the, the barn mindset people, the, this is the way I propose to you that God actually wants us to think about generosity. The, the barn people are the basket people who kept reading. So it says this. We actually keep reading. We'll see even more of the result of the barn mindset. In verse, uh, verse 8, I'll read it to you again. Um, the Lord will send blessings on your, on your barns and on everything you put in your hand or put your hand to. Let's read the whole thing. The Lord will guarantee a blessing on everything you do and will fill your storehouses with grain. The Lord your God will bless you in the land he is giving you if you obey the commands of the Lord. There's that idea of obedience again. If you obey the commands of the Lord your God and walk in his ways, the Lord will establish you as his holy people as he swore he would do. Then all the nations of the world will see that you are a people claimed by the Lord. All the nations of the world. So there's the idea of having influence in the world. It just has to come through the right channels, right? They will see... That, and they will see that you are claimed by the Lord, and they will stand in awe of you. The Lord will give you prosperity in the land he swore to your ancestors to give you, blessing you with many children, numerous livestock, and abundant crops. The Lord will send rain at the proper time from his rich treasury in the heavens and will bless all the work that you do. You will lend to many nations, but you will never need to borrow from them. If you listen to these commands of, your Lord, of the Lord your God that I am giving to you today, and if you carefully obey them, the Lord will make you the head and not the tail, and you will always be on top and never at the bottom. Did you catch the phrase in verse 12, this short little phrase, you will lend to many nations, but you will never need to borrow them? That's my favorite part of that entire thing. The idea that you become a resource and not a person uh, with a bag with holes in it where you're constantly trying to get something. 
I'm actually looking to give. Barn people are not just blessed to have their own needs met. They are so blessed that they are able to be a blessing to other people. Right? So why can barn people be so generous? I propose to you that it is because they are mindful. In their thinking, my barn is full. I have been so richly blessed that I am looking to give it away. There's a story that I love about Alexander the Great. You've probably heard of him. Uh, he was once asked by a beggar for some of his spare change. Just give me anything. Alexander the Great, in response to this beggar, he gives him five gold coins, which maybe doesn't sound like a lot to you, but it was a ton of resource and money at that moment. And one of his servants said to Alexander the Great, Sir, a copper coin would adequately meet the need of the beggar. Why would you give him five gold coins? coins. And Alexander responded, copper coins would suit the beggar's need, but gold coins suit Alexander's giving. He gave extravagantly because he knew he was extravagant. He gave out of who he knew he was, not out of what the person in front of him actually needed. It's incredible what that kind of blessing looks like. I won't just give you what, I, what you asked me for. I will go above and beyond because of who God has made me to be. Wow. So we have a lot of Christians who uh, God has made significant people. I would, I would just throw a number out there. It's 100% of you. You're a significant person. You really actually matter. Think about the cost to get you in the kingdom. It was the life of God himself. Oh, and you don't matter. You're not valuable. You're not special. You've got nothing to offer the world. No, you're the Alexander the Great. And Alexander the Great was Alexander the Great because of military power. You're great. Because Jesus, the Savior of the world, looked at you in all of your mess and brokenness and said, that one, royal priesthood, join the family. More than a conqueror. You matter. You're the head and not the tail. If what? If you obey all the things that I tell you to do and you have a mindful kind of mentality that you understand what I have made you to be so that you can do the things I have called and created you to do. Like it says in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. Pastor Danny referenced this earlier this morning. God had good works in store for us beforehand. Before what? Before you were even born. He had good works in store and in mind for you so that you could walk in them. Why? Because you're his masterpiece. And we walk around like a bunch of impoverished people. The king of kings died to make you a member of his royal priesthood, and you're walking around like you're broke. You've got eternal life at your fingertips. The love of Jesus, the generosity of the kingdom of heaven, and you walk around like you have nothing. I think the American dream has betrayed us. And in the places where it's infested the church, it has failed radically at telling us how to live the good life. And Jesus says the good life is to come and die and be rich. Not in the things that the world says are rich. 
but in generosity, in love, in kindness, and yeah, also sometimes in money. And yeah, also sometimes in money. It's, it's good when you say that and your church says amen in, in return. <laughs> I wasn't saying it to make you feel guilty. I was just saying it because I, I like hearing it. A bunch of people who understand the way that it works. Mindful people believe that their lives are full of opportunities and potential blessings. And then every dollar you have, every hour that you have, every thought that you have, Every relationship that you have is an opportunity to be a gift because you are created to be generous. Because you were created as a Christian by a generous God. And if we are called to be like Christ, then we cannot not be generous people. Amen? Mindful people understand what Paul says in Philippians chapter 2, verse 4. He says, let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interest of others. So being mindful of others is a kingdom mindset. It's a kingdom mandate. It's a requirement to think of others before you think of yourself. Uh, being a mindful person, a person with a barn mentality, is a little bit like being a server at a restaurant called Fogo de Chao. Now, I just had my first experience with this restaurant uh, just this week. My friend Don took a bunch of us to this restaurant. He's like, we're going to a restaurant. I know exactly where we're going. We walk into this place, and there's like a, a big bronze burly man uh, statue on the wall, uh, and it's, it's a, a, a lassoer. I don't know how to say that in Portuguese, but um, the guy's job was to lasso things. So they built a statue of him, and then they built a restaurant in his honor. And in this restaurant, the servers have swords, and on the swords is meat. And these men, and women, I imagine they give women swords too, equal opportunities. But these servers walk around with swords, with meat on it. And they come to your table, and they say, would you like some meat? And of course you say yes. And then they take a knife, a big knife, and they just carve off some of the meat on the sword. And then you've got like some tongs on your table, and they go, could you grab the meat with the tongs? You grab the meat with the tongs. If you're a real man, I guess you grab it with your bare hands. We went to this restaurant, and we sat down, and I'm like... Just, I had no idea what's about to happen. There's like a salad bar over here. And I'm thinking like, this might be the kind of place I take my mom for Christmas. I don't know. Uh, and it was, like a, it was like a salad bar. And then it turns out the salad bar were all the fixings that you just get. You just put that on your place. So you have something to eat with the meat. And so this guy comes around with a sword and he's got ribs. And he goes, would you like some pork ribs? <laughs> Duh. So I took some ribs. And I ate the ribs. And while I'm eating the ribs, he comes by. And he's like, would you like some sirloin? Praise the Lord. <laughs> and while I'm eating the sirloin, he comes by with some other meats. I've lost count. I'm still full. From a meal I had on Friday night. These guys have a barn mentality. Like when you go to a normal restaurant, and you order ribs, you know what you get? Ribs. And then you know what you get? A bill. That's it. 
when you go to this restaurant, you order ribs and they go, cool, would you also like beef? We'll bring you everything that we have. We'll just keep on bringing it. This restaurant is so mindful that they literally will continue to bring meat to your table until you turn the little card that's green over and now it's red and the red says, please stop, I will die if I eat more food. And this is the way that God wants us to engage the kingdom. This is the way God has been to us in his radical generosity. That he has gifted us everything that we need. And he would say to us, look, I will just keep on blessing you as long as you will appropriately engage with what I have given you. Like if if I'm sitting there going, just bring me more meat at the restaurant, but I haven't eaten anything, at a certain point they're probably going to say, why don't you eat that and then we'll give you more meat? Because I don't want to waste the meat if you're not going to eat it. But if you're going to eat it, (laughs) we will make you good and full. The place where this illustration breaks down is that in the kingdom of heaven, what God puts on my plate, I then get to give away to somebody else. Because I always know that there is more coming. So my plate can be full or it can be empty and I can be satisfied because something came through my life to be a blessing to somebody else because I was so blessed. Now it doesn't matter if I have a lot of money in my bank account or if I have a nice car or I live in a big giant house or if I live in an apartment that's rent controlled and I'm just grateful that I can get from check to check in a physical sense, because in a spiritual reality, I understand that everything that comes through my life blesses the people that live under my roof, but also enables me to be a blessing to others. Why? Because I live in a kingdom that is better than any restaurant ever. I serve a generous God, and he's been generous to me. So we have a barn mindset. Can we do uh, some quick uh, wrapping up kinds of thoughts. I just want to he- have you hear just a couple of more things here. Scripture is full of evidence that generosity is not just about what you give. It is about giving what has been given to you. In fact, Jesus said that to his disciples. Uh, we'll come to that in, in the future. But in Proverbs chapter 11, it says, give freely and become more wealthy, be stingy and lose everything. Does this sound familiar? This is how we started this sermon. The generous will prosper Those who refresh others will themselves be refreshed. How do you want God to engage your life? Paul wrote in 2 Corinthians 9, verse 6. Listen to this verse again. Remember this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Maybe you're not familiar with the language sowing and reaping. Sowing is what you do to plant. Reaping is the pulling up the harvest. So whoever plants sparingly will have a a sparing harvest. Whoever sows generously will also reap generously. And Luke chapter 6, verse 38, Jesus says, give and you will receive. Your gift will return to you in full. Now, when it says in full, it doesn't mean in kind. You give money, it doesn't mean your gift will return to you in money. There's some preachers who would tell you, if you give $100, God will give you 1000 Now, God can do that, and he might, and he probably has, but he doesn't have to. And the second that you say, give $100, and God will give you $100 back, or give 100 and God will give you 1000 we actually would just call that witchcraft. 
That's sorcery. That's trying to convince God that if I say the right words and do exactly the right things that he has to do. We're Pentecostal people. We believe in miraculous increase. We do not believe in sorcery. Right? So God will give you your gift back in full, not necessarily in kind. When it's in kind, money for money, awesome, great. Money for peace, why is that not good enough? Money for missions that leads to salvation, better, best, right? God will give you in return, in full, pressed down, shaken together to make room for more, running over, poured into your lap. The amount you give will determine the amount you get back. So generosity should look like giving away the love that has been given to us. So as, as, as we wrap up, as we, as we land the plane, we would say that there's a couple of different ways that we can respond to a, a teaching like this. I, I would say that there's a, a spiritual way that we can respond to a teaching like this, and then there is a very practical way that we can respond to a teaching like this. If I were to say to you what the spiritual response is, let's, let's, start, um, let's start there. In fact, take, close your eyes for a second and just imagine your things. I, I know that's a, probably a, something you don't do often, but, but if you just focus on the things that you have, like what do you possess? I, I can get a picture right now in my closet. It's too full. I have shirts in there I don't wear all the time. I have shoes in there that I don't wear. I bought, I bought some of these things and I was convinced I was going to wear it and I don't wear it. I, I, I bought some things I was convinced I was going to use it and I don't use it. What is the what is the idea of excess look like to you? What does the idea of necessity mean to you? Take stock of the way that you think about what you have. Just right now where you're sitting, how do you usually describe what God has given you? How do you talk about your possessions? And here's how we begin to move into a spiritual response to that very practical answer question. If you feel like God has given you very little, you probably struggle with at some point being handed a bag mindset. Somebody said, this is the way you need to think about the world. So you would simply ask God to increase your faith and trust in his provision. God, help me to believe that you are not just enough, but more than enough. If you feel like God has given you just enough for your tribe, your people, just enough, I'm grateful that we have enough. You've probably got a bag mindset or a basket mindset. Somebody told you this is the way you need to look at the world. And and the spiritual response to that is to say, God, would you increase my compassion for others? God, would you show me where others have need? Outside of my personal borders, outside of my people, help me to be a blessing to them. And begin to take the risk and trust the Lord, but ask him for compassion. If you know that God has given you more than enough, then you probably have a barn mindset. And then you can, from there, begin to ask God this. God, would you give me eyes to see people as an investment opportunity? God, would you show 
me the places where I can pour what I have to be an overflow to others, where I can be a blessing. God, when, when the place where you would have me give my resource is a complete stranger, or when it is my community, when it is somebody that I would otherwise perceive as an enemy or an outsider, God, would you help me to be obedient, to see, and to give generously to whoever it is that you would call me to be generous to. Can you just take a moment before we move on to anything else? I'm going to tell you something super practical in just a moment, but can you just take a moment right now between you and the Lord and just ask God, whether that is God, would you increase my trust in you or God, would you increase my compassion for others or God, would you make me radically generous, understanding that everything that is mine is actually yours. Just ask God to do that work in your heart today. Thank you, God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Now I want to tell you a super practical way that you can respond to a teaching like this. This would be a a bit of a challenge. If we were to call this a homework assignment, I would tell you this week, go through your house and find the things that you do not need. The things that you do not need. The things that uh, you don't believe that God has blessed you to have, but you bought it, you never use it, you just, you don't need it. You don't need to keep it. My friend SB gifted me a, a Chemex coffee maker for my birthday. I'm going to keep that. It's a blessing in my life. Thank the Lord. But there's other stuff in my house that I don't need and I don't use and I can give it away. Like I said, in my closet, there are shirts I haven't worn in a while. Why? Why why do I need to keep those? So here's our homework assignment. Very practical response. What would it look like for you to go through your house, find all of the things that you do not need, do not use, don't need to keep, that are just things that you have to bag all of that stuff up and then give that away? I mean, Grace Resource Center is is uh, a ministry in our community that would absolutely love to partner with you to receive what you have as a blessing. Just bring it to Grace Resource Center. Be a blessing. Second thing that you could do is, now this might be a little bit more of a challenge for you, I understand. This is, this is my challenge. Set aside a dollar amount in your budget every single month to give away to somebody in need. Now that might cost you a trip to Starbucks or your favorite restaurant once a month. But even if you said, I'm going to just keep $5 in my wallet in cash at all times just so that I can be a blessing to somebody as the Lord gives me an opportunity, that is a phenomenal place to begin generosity. So God, even as we take these practical ideas, we've got excess. We, We understand that we have excess. We are blessed people. Even in the ways where we feel like there are places where we don't have enough, we know that we are blessed. And so, God, as we think practically about what we have, God, make us a generous people. Make us a generous church. As we plan ahead to be generous and even talk about ways that we could put generosity into our budget, Lord, in the practicality and the simplicity of that, would you infuse something of the power of the Holy Spirit into our planning and into our giving so that this is not just some empty obedience but a true ministry of expanding the kingdom as we share the love of God. God, as we give, even practically, 
Would you help us to give something spiritual away as well? God, would you position the people of this church to be able to give things radically and if for no other reason than to start a conversation that points to Jesus. I gave you that because Jesus loves you. God, make us a generous people and help that to begin, God, with our mindset that we would understand that you have been generous to us. God, help us to understand that you love to provide for your people. Help us to believe that you always have more than enough. Help us to trust that you give your people access to the full treasure of heaven. And help us to remember that there has never been a need that you cannot meet. Help us, God, to live open-handed and to receive openly and freely and then to give freely what you have given. Help us to think of others before ourselves. And then I would pray this blessing on my friends, a blessing that comes from Psalm 37, verse 25 and 26, which says, Once I was young and now I am old, yet I have never seen the godly abandoned or their children begging for bread. The godly always give generous loans to others, and their children are a blessing. Life Church, may this be true of your life. That you would be richly blessed, and that your children would be able to be a blessing to others. God, make this to be true in our lives as we continue to dig into the conversation about generosity today. Expand our thinking, expand our hearts, and expand our generosity so that through us, you will expand the kingdom, my soul's being redeemed to life. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you, friends. Thank you for joining us today. We love you. Go and be generous.